Sometimes interviews just land in my lap at exactly the right time. And today's story is a perfect example of that. Hi, it's Candy O'Terry. Welcome to the story behind her success. She is a local police officer, a sergeant for the Norfolk Police Department here in Massachusetts. And her mission, her passion for community policing is what sets her apart. She's the creator of a program called LEAP, which stands for Leadership, Empowerment, Awareness, and Protection, which is based on connecting police within our schools to create pathways toward success for children. She's a graduate of Stonehill College with a degree in criminal justice, and she believes in seeking out the root cause of risky and criminal behavior. This, she says, is the only way a police officer can truly protect and serve. Her name is Michelle Palladini, and this is her story. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. Really my pleasure to get to talk to you. You know, you've been involved in law enforcement since you graduated from college. Tell me your philosophy around community policing and how it evolved. Sure. Community policing is something you can't teach. You know, we we can try, but you really have to be able to embody it. When I started my career, I was so young. I was 22, you know, back in 2004, just kind of starting out in life and becoming an adult and here I am tasked with this this job of protecting a community. And how was I supposed to do that at my young age? We get calls for service. We respond. We show up. We deal with the problem. We mitigate some of the problems. And then we're off and on our way. And for me, it never felt that authentic to me because I really wanted to kind of dig deeper. I wanted to know why this young 19-year-old girl was already addicted to heroin. I wanted to know what happened in her life. I wanted to know how I could better serve her. And so it's kind of like we can connect the dots backwards and see what happened in somebody's life. And it doesn't excuse the behavior, but it informs it. And it helps us police with more authenticity because we can respond to that instead of react to it. And that's really what community policing and proactive policing is all about. As you started to make your way as a young woman, as a police officer, were there other young women around that you could identify with? Very few. Um, Unfortunately, you know, nationally, statistically, we're still about 10% of the police force in general. I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, But my police academy class, there were four of us. So we had a a small amount of camaraderie between the four of us in a class of 44 officers. So 40 men, four women. (laughs) And my police agency that um, hired me was predominantly male. There were two other females at the time. Uh, One was kind of towards the end of her career. She was a lieutenant. And the other one was a patrol officer like myself. This summer, we saw some peaceful protests, and we saw burning, we saw looting, we saw rioting in many major cities following the killing of George Floyd in police custody. A lot of sadness, a lot of confusion, a lot of fear for our communities, fear for our police departments, sadness that I felt as though the media was portraying every police officer in a negative light, and I couldn't help but take that to heart because I've spent the better part of the last seven, eight years doing 
a lot of work to try and embrace community policing philosophy, a mindful approach to policing, a heart-filled approach to policing. So for me, it was personal. And, and quite honestly, it was a really challenging summer for me. And I really had to lean on the tools in my toolbox for mental health, as well as you know my faith to really kind of get me through a hard time. Everybody struggled this summer. I know you can only speak to your own mental health. But I couldn't help but think that there were police officers all across the country who became afraid for their own safety, but who also felt completely deflated. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. I can speak for friends, colleagues. I've trained across the nation with some really, really wonderful people, and we all kind of shared the same sentiment. You know, we do not condone, obviously, you know, poor behavior on the part of police officers, but we also don't want to all be painted with that broad brush either. And I think by and large, the, the public understands that, but I think we have, you know, some really loud and really strong voices that are, you know, really advocating for change within policing. And I think most of us would agree in many aspects that there are things that we want to change, things that we've been advocating to change, and, and we're met with, you know, well, we don't have the budget to do this. We don't have the budget to bring in training. The community infrastructure won't support this. And so there is a, a lot of deflation because how can you move forward in your work and in being in service to people when you are kind of operating from that fight or flight? It's perceptions everything. And many officers thought that the general public all hates police officers. And we know that's not true, but emotionally, it, it, it feels that way. Riots in Washington, D.C., including the death of a protester and a Capitol police officer. Terrifying. This, this isn't the America I think that we all know and love. And I think, you know, for us as officers, and I'll speak for myself here, I went into this job because there was honor in it and I wanted to serve my community. I wanted to serve this country. And to me right now, it, it feels as though, you know, what what are we fighting for right now? What are we trying to support? And it's really kind of, again, leaning on some tools that, that I've developed over the years to continue the work and to continue moving heart forward and to not feel deflated. We need to come together. This is the time. Operating from a place of fear is just going to get us hurt. It's going to get us more disconnected. And there's so much hope in your message. You have said that community policing is like building villages. Explain what this means. Yeah, I, I love the saying, it takes a village. And, you know, we can go back to, I think it was Hillary Clinton that first, you know, started that back in the 90s. And that always resonated with me. And I look back to my own childhood in the 80s. And, you know, we were off running through the you know neighborhood all day long neighbors were caring for we were being yelled at by neighborhood parents you know and today i'm afraid to let my 10 year old daughter walk down the street by herself so it's how do we i kind of call it revillaging our society how do we bring people back together again to really support families and to support children and it does it, it takes all of us working together i can't do what i do without the support of other agencies, other people in my community, and, and that's how we come together in, in police. You had just mentioned when you were growing up in the 80s, you were running around outside, and you reminded me that when my children were growing up, I used to had two words for them, go outside. Yes. <laughs> and, and you could, right, mm -hmm. without worrying so much about it. Absolutely. Talk to me about your program, LEAP, which stands for Leadership, Empowerment, Awareness, and Protection. Yeah, probably about eight years ago now, 
I had an idea for an after-school program for students. Uh, again, I really want to think outside the box, find ways to engage with children in my community. And this was just an, uh, an idea that came to me. I wanted to teach young girls ways to empower themselves mentally, physically, emotionally. And when I approached the uh, middle school principal in, in Norfolk, she said, this is a great program. Why don't you come in and pilot this program? This is beneficial for girls and boys. And so I spent that year, uh, I believe it was 2014, and I spent that year uh, piloting the program. And it grew and evolved into a model for uh, school-based policing, so ways that police officers who work with children can engage on a, a really deep level, giving kids tools for emotional health. And it kind of spiraled, and I started training officers all over the country. Let's talk a little bit about that. Training officers all across the country. Has this been a joy for you? Tell me how it works. Yeah, it has been. I, you know, I had never been much of a much of a traveler and I think it's really diversified my experience as a police officer because I've gotten to see ways that other communities police and and kind of find those common threads, which is really unique and a large part of our job is uh, obviously, you know, connecting as officers and kind of that brother sisterhood kind of family and it's it's the best part of the job you know you have this huge family you know all to yourself right so it's it's been rewarding for sure along the way i'm sure that you have had many stories to tell about your work around your leap program in our schools and all across our country can you share a few of those stories with us sure yeah i think um you know my first year it was it was really kind of navigating you know how do i kind of take off my police hat and sort of move into this space of working with children in a school environment. So I had gone out and I got my uh, teaching certification to teach health <laughs> for children because I really wanted to have a broad knowledge of, of teaching. I was piloting a program. I really wanted to have some of that knowledge. And walk some the of walk those. and talk the talk, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, this was out of my element. I had never really taught before. And I really developed a love for teaching. And I've always loved children, but this was a, a unique experience in that I found that the kids were coming to me less about police intervention. They wanted to come in and vent. They wanted to come in and share maybe what was going on in their life. I'm a firm believer of really listening to understand. I didn't have to solve the kids' problems, but I could listen. I could be a resource. I'm also a strong supporter of our police all across the country, and I don't believe in defunding them. They play a vital role in our communities, which I think obviously you agree on. But there needs to be an answer here. The cities that have defunded their police are now struggling with crime and with lawlessness. My question for you is, as someone who's at the forefront of community policing, what is the answer? Yeah. How do we get to where we need to go? Right. I think, you know, the, the term defunding, I believe, um, is an inflammatory term. I, I think that it causes a lot of fear and anxiety on, on, on many sides of if there's an argument, there are many sides of the argument. But by and large, I think what people need to understand is that law enforcement, we want the help. We, we want the supports in place. You want to give us a social worker to come on our calls with us? Yes. <laughs> I don't know an officer out there that Please wouldn't welcome thank that. You, right? Absolutely. So if you want to talk about reallocating funding, that you know we're going to reallocate some of our funds in our municipality or our city so that we can bring in more supports for the police department, 
Absolutely. We would 100% welcome that. But if you're talking about making budget cuts to, uh, say, our equipment, and I know that there's a lot of talk about removing, you know, some of the, the militarized kind of tools. And, you know, I'll, I'll give you one example. In one of our local communities around here, we have a regional SWAT team, and that SWAT team is responsible for responding to high-risk incidents. And so if, if I'm a sergeant in Norfolk and we have a call that somebody is you know, inside a home with a gun making threats to himself or somebody else, I'm activating the SWAT team for that because they train weekly, they train at a very high level, and they have tools that are needed to protect the person that we're responding to as well as the police. And this one particular incident, because they had the armored vehicles, because they had all the gear, they were able to get a person um, who was obviously having a, a mental health crisis, who was suicidal, homicidal. It was in a condo complex, so close proximity to other people, innocent bystanders. Because of the fact that they had all of this equipment, they were able to get this this gentleman, you know, safely um, out, and he was shooting at the police. That's an ideal situation. Is the, is it always possible that police don't return fire? No, because every situation is is so dynamic. You can't plan for everything. But to take away, you know, the the militarized, you know, kind of tools, it's creating less public. It's creating more of a risk to public safety. We need the tools to be able to do our job effectively and safely. Your mission, which we call heart centered has gone beyond your job as a police officer to your very own website, which we want to tell everybody about. It's called michellepalladini.com, P-A-L-L-A-D-I-N-I.com. Tell me about how you're reaching out to others and building community through your website. Yeah, I've really kind of enjoyed the journey. I had started a blog, and that's really kind of where the website evolved from. I do a lot with women's empowerment and and self-defense, so that all kind of got rolled into mindfulness approach to stress reduction and all kinds of health and and wellness issues. And and so my website kind of serves as a platform for anybody that's just kind of interested in the work that I've been doing or wants to bring me in for, you know, a training or a class or a speaking event. So it's it's been a ride. It's been fun. What is your definition, Michelle, of community? How do you see it all coming together? Yeah, I I think it comes down to the heart. And, you know, so often today, we've forgotten really where our our hearts lie. And we can't do anything alone. We can only do things together. And in a time where we are so isolated because of COVID, in a time where we're more disconnected than ever before because we have cell phones, and it's kind of ironic that the point of a cell phone and social media is to be more connected, but I think it disconnects us. And, you know, we really need to be, you know, thinking about what does our heart need? And we're social creatures and we need to be in community with others. And, you know, it sort of comes back to the like the commandments, right? Like love God, love others, you know, whatever you may believe. But, you know, I, I think in our culture today, there's so much focus on the self and, you know, um, my success in, in me getting ahead that we forget that community is about lifting other people up and, and putting other people on a pedestal and having that that sense of humility that you can give to others without kind of looking for anything in return. You just mentioned COVID and how isolating it is. And originally, you and I were trying to get together a couple of weeks ago, and that was when 
COVID ran all the way through your department. I'm Mm -hmm. so glad to see you're okay. Tell me a little bit about that experience. Yeah, it was really challenging. We were hit pretty hard um, within my agency and it it started with an exposure to, you know, somebody uh, in the public and a few of our officers were exposed. And it's, you know, as much as we can uh, have protections in place and personal protective equipment, you know, in the arena of law enforcement, we don't, we, we don't always have the time to put on a whole suit and a whole kit, you know, we're responding to emergencies. So um, that's kind of uh, what happened. And, you know, we're all masked up in our station, and it's still spread like wildfire. So there was um, about 10 or 11 of us that, that got it, myself included. So well, I'm glad you're okay. Thank you. Let's take a minute and talk about you and how you got to where you are today. Did you always want to be a police officer? Tell me a little bit about why you're doing what you do. Sure. My father was a state trooper in Massachusetts. Uh, He retired, ironically, in 2004 when I began my career. So uh, he left and I joined. And, you know, uh, growing up, I was just always so enamored by, you know, his uniform and, and the police car and he was always telling me that he was out helping people. And that's, you know, I, I thought he was a hero, you know, my, my entire childhood. I was so proud to be his daughter. And so when the time came to go to college and choose a major, it seemed only natural that I go into the field. And, uh, and here I am. What was the work ethic? What was the message in your house? Yeah, hard work. <laughs> my father's um, family um, immigrated from Armenia Um, And so, you know, his grandparents were involved in the genocide. And so his father uh, always instilled really hard work. You know, they they lived in the projects in Brighton. They, you know, eventually uh, my father, my grandfather was a letter carrier and he saved up enough money to move to Newton and, you know, gave a, a really good life for my dad and his siblings. But you know, he really, my grandfather really instilled that value of hard work. And so my father always instilled that in my brother and I, you know, work hard, be respectful, be accountable for your actions. That was another one. And so it sort of kind of bred that that foundation of, of honor and respect and, you know, um, and caring about others. And, and I get that from my mother, too. She always instilled a lot of community service in us. My brother and I were always doing community service. So I think it was a really nice foundation for the career I chose. So you've been a police officer your entire professional life. Mm-hmm. And I just learned, as we were getting to know one another before we turned on our microphones, that you're married to a police officer. Yes. What's that like? You know, it's good <laughs> and bad. <laughs> good in the sense that we understand each other. It's it's a very unique job and we take the stress home for sure as much as we try not to. And so to have your partner in life understand that, you know, you just went on this really bad call and they know what it feels like and they know that you might not want to talk about it or you might want to talk about it. And to have a spouse that I can kind of share, you know, maybe a a graphic call that I might not be comfortable sharing with a, a civilian that doesn't understand the job is really helpful. We have a family, so trying to balance our, our jobs and our schedules is hard. You just said, I have a family, so I want to ask you my question. How did motherhood change you? Tell me a little bit about your kids. Uh, well, you know, when I met my husband, he had been married previously, so I have three wonderful bonus children, and, you know, it was really kind of amazing to not be a parent, but to be a huge part of their life and 
once we got married, obviously I, I wanted a biological child of my own. So we had uh, our daughter, Charlotte, who's 10. And so now we have this beautiful, blended American family. You're sitting in my living room. There's my beautiful, blended American mm-hmm. family right above the fireplace. Beautiful. You know, you work hard on it. But when you do and you just do it with love, it works. It does. And I, I think it's made me it's it's humbled me and it's also made me a little bit more neurotic too because you're always you're forever worrying about your children right <laughs> forever worrying what is the hardest part of your job i would have to say the stress unfortunately we we see a lot of sadness a lot of despair a lot of anger you know nobody's calling the police cuz they're just happy to have us come visit their home in the middle of the night you know there's always something going on and i think for me um i've always had a huge heart and i you know i'm deeply impacted when i see sadness or i see you know somebody who's you know a victim of a crime or even somebody who's committed a crime uh to be honest that's been a huge shift in my life too is to really have a lot of empathy and compassion for even the people who are committing crimes, because somewhere along the way, they've experienced something that's this caused them to act this way. And that's, I feel like that's the, the biggest challenge in law enforcement is to not take it personal and to creatively think of a way that, you know, maybe we could support somebody who's going through a hard time. And the flip side of that question, what's been the best part of your job experience so far? Uh, being with the kids, that has been the joy. And it's been really nice because for the last few years before I was promoted to a sergeant's role, I spent, my shift was split. I would spend half as the school resource officer and half in the detective division. So I had, you know, a lot of opportunity to work cases and it was always challenging and interesting. And, but on the other kind of half of my position, I got to spend time with the kids who, you know, really were just such a joy to be around and to know that I could help and shape who they become in life by imparting maybe some wisdom or some lessons is just so rewarding. So, Well, you get a chance to work with a lot of children and young women listen to this program all across the country and around the world. What do you say to a young girl who wants to be a police officer? Uh, I would say go for it. It is such a great career and I really don't want to deter anyone to be deterred by what's going on right now because we're going to get through this. I know we will. And we're going to come out stronger on the other side of this. I know it sounds really cliche, but I do believe sometimes we have to kind of go to the bottom before we can rebuild. And I think, you know, our younger generation, they are so innovative. And the way that our our younger generation now is learning, they're going to make exceptional police officers because policing has changed. You know, it's it's less about using your muscles and your strength, and it's more about using your brain. And I would love to see kind of what this next generation is going to do because we're already seeing it. We're seeing younger people coming up the ranks and the amount of, you know, compassion they have for people, the intelligence that they bring to the job. You know, it's less about how big of a guy you are as a police officer. It's what's your education been like? What do you do for community service? And we're really getting some exceptional candidates. Last three questions I'm about to ask you. I ask everyone who sits where you are. So here we go. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received in your life? Can you pass that along to our listeners? Mm -hmm. Believe it or not, this is from my husband. I would always worry what people thought. Oh, I made that mistake at work. What's everybody going to think of me? He said, Michelle, 
do you really think that everybody's going home to their own homes and, and thinking about Michelle Palladini? Everybody goes home to their own lives, their own problems. And he said, as you get older, and he's like, I went through this myself. It's all going to start to fall away because nobody's worrying about you. Like, worry about yourself. Do what you can. Take control of your life. And don't worry about what anybody else thinks. When an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? I tackle it head on. It took me a long time to, to gain the confidence to be able to really use my voice to speak up for what I need, to speak up for what I think is right. Final question. As you see it right now, what does success mean to you? Success for me is living in harmony with my community, my community of parents, my community that I police, the community that I live in, my church community. That's how success is defined for me because that's the greatest joy to be in community with others. Michelle Palladini, I want to say thank you so much for being this week's guest on the story behind her success. My pleasure. If you know someone that I should interview, reach out anytime. Tell me about her. Candy at CandyOterry.com. And thank you so much for listening to the story behind her success. What's your story? <laughs>